and AIA Australia, helping your clients in their time of need is our number one priority. In 2016, we paid over $1.15 billion in claims to both retail and group members. That's over $4.5 million every working day. To offer your clients cover you can trust, chat to your AIA CDM today. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week uh, is, a bit of a, is a bit of a unique... Um, is a bit of a unique XY Advisor podcast. We've never done one like this before. Normally, it's all uh, in the screens, it's all split up and it's all digital, but we're in person. Great. Good to be here. <laughs> Are you going to introduce me? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, Angus Woods of Advisor Ratings, but I'm pretty sure most of you guys will already be aware of that. Um, some time ago now, a couple of years, I guess, when you kicked uh, this off. And there was all hoopla in the media. It was the end C- of the world. certainly was. <laughs> Advisors were gone. <laughs> yep, yep. We were all being replaced by robo-advice, <laughs> yeah. digital sort of platforms and what have you. And, yeah, all that scare factor is no longer there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's gone well over the last two years. I think yeah. at the moment, you know, when we first launched... As you were saying, there's a lot of consternation out there in the market as to what we were doing, what we were yeah. trying to achieve, and and what have you. But um, yeah, now we're 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 two two three years in, and we've got about thirty to forty percent of the market engaged on the platform. That's awesome. Um, receiving reviews, so we're up to close to I think think fifteen thousand reviews. Is this um, reviews from clients about reviews? Their yeah, clients clients reviewing their, their wow. advisors. So um, obviously, you know, I. I I'd encourage all advisors to actually get on the platform eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting a, a lot a lot of encouragement from licensees who are starting to look at it as a mandatory aspect of, of bringing advisors on board, yep. um, particularly those mid-tier um, licensee firms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, we've um, come a long way from the... From the days of two years ago when I was working out of the basement of my <laughs> own house at, out of Bellevue Hill. So, yeah. Well, there's actually a pretty cool um, little XY advisor, uh, advisor ratings overlap in that um, Benny Nash, who is one of uh, who's one of the co-founders of XY, was somehow ended up on your promos. For, uh, he, he was one of the you know highly uh, rated, and pretty much advisor ratings lost all credibility at that point. Yeah, I can understand. I, we didn't realise that at the time. We just realised later that Ben was a it was a marketing guru, and would put his face on anything and everything. Exactly. So um, no, but kudos to Ben for getting on board early yeah. and, and and bringing on a lot of other advisors actually along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, at the time, I was certainly advising and got me involved. But uh, the reason why I wanted to chat with you today um, is, well, obviously, you've got a really cool view, um, sort of overlook over advice. I, I would say a unique one where most people don't because you're not a licensee. Oh. Uh, you're not a product provider and you're not an advisor. So there's, there's, there's some pretty cool um, uh, aerial views I'd say you've got over the industry. And then I'd like to also talk to you about um, what you're doing in advisor ratings yep. as far as connecting people with dealer groups because on the group, on the Facebook group, um, which is now almost 1,200 members, um, Dealer groups get brought up a, a fair bit, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where people get annoyed 
with what they're doing currently and who they're currently with. And then it, you know, ultimately descends into a conversation about is the grass greener or is it yeah. not? And is it more hassle to stay or is it more hassle to go? And no one knows. Yeah. Well, good that you met. So going back to your original comment around, I guess, uh, the fact that we are independent, um, mm. we're not tied to any institution, mm. we're not beholden to any product manufacturer. Um, and, you know, when we first launched um, and we we're raising capital for this business, um, it was, it, you know, it, it was very entire. I seeing, I guess, from certain elements of the market who were willing to fund us for us to say, uh, enticing in so far as do we take those funds or not, which would then jeopardise our independence. Right. We, 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 we decided to, you know, basically bootstrap the business and get funding from, um, you know, family, friends, high net worths and what have you, and that's kept our independence. And we've just done another capital raise, which has ensured basically, um, I guess, the, the longevity of the business model yep. um, whilst also keeping the independence. Yep. Um, obviously, now um, there are certain revenue streams, which I think advisors are aware of. There's subscription models that are on the platform. Mm -hmm. We are sort of doing sort of advertising and what have you, mm -hmm. um, which is very much it, it creates the... It creates a revenue stream for us, but it ensures the independence yep. and keep the platform running. It's Definitely. free for consumers. One of the areas that I guess, as you touched on, um, whilst we've explored this market quite closely, it was also understanding there are 1,600 licensees in this marketplace. Is there? 1,600 licensees in Australia, managing 24,000 advisors. Um, but <laughs> yeah, wow. and so so it was part of the work that we've got. We've got a data team that basically analyzes yeah. every licensee in the marketplace where we can, yes. where we can. Um, you know, a thousand of those licensees are your independent guys. You're the you know, your mum and dads out in the suburbs that have their own AFSL, right? Um, and then you've got your um, you just sort of your top three hundred licensees that have got maybe 20 or more advisors under their umbrella. Yep. And then you've got a sort of another two or 300 that have got anywhere between five and 20 advisors. We've been speaking to um, licensees about, you know, what sort of platforms do they currently have? So the admin platforms, do they use BT Panorama? Do they use BT Wrap? Do they use uh, CFS? Um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Hub24, yeah. um, NetWealth and what have you. Um, so we're starting to um, collect all that information and what our advisors think about all the admin platforms. Right. And then there's the software pr providers, you know, your X plans and your coins and and what have you. Um, so we're getting a full understanding about what licensees actually have embedded within their organisation for advisors to use, what capability sets that they could deliver to advisors, and then going to the next level around um, uh, things like, I guess, oh, things like what fee structures, you know, do they currently have, you know, are they, you know, can the advisor take equity in terms of the licensee yeah. and what have you? What are the joining requirements? So if I'm going from, say, CBA to a mid-tier sort of licensee firm, what sort of support am I going to get to from a transitional perspective? Yes. Um, what sort of 
um, what, what sort of fees am I going to be charged? But also, um, is the culture right for me where I'm going? How, um, how, how do you? How do you? We're, we've been we've been we've been interviewing licensees along the way. So this is where the Advisor Connect business came from. Yes, yeah. we we collect all that information to understand it, so we can start to get an understanding of rating the quality of licensees out there, which yeah. also determines the quality of the advisors under their umbrella group. Right. So that's where the rating system comes into play. When we, we launched Advisor Connect four weeks ago. Um, Advisor Connect, just for your listeners, um, is basically, I guess, a glorified or a bastardised recruitment platform. Um, I've been getting, I, I realise I'll get three, four, five advisors a week that would link in with me and saying, Angus, uh, looking to switch licensees or I've been at this one licensee for the last 10 years. I don't know what's out there. I don't know. And on there going, and I, I would obviously have my right. input, look at my information and go, actually, we would recommend X, Y, Z. We would also potentially, what are you, what are you actually after? Oh, these are the licensees. How about you go and speak to them? And then right. we realised that's actually, there's a business model in that itself. So you started with advisor ratings and now you've uh, and kept that well, and now you're doing licensee ratings. Well, we're doing, we, 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 which was always the aim about sort of the, um, we, we'd start off with advisors, but we'd also look at the licensees yep. from a, like what sort of training do they provide compliance? Because that also obviously feeds down to understanding what training that's and so forth that the advisors are getting. Mate, so that's, what a weird position in the market. So you're like the expert on licensees now. Well, we, we, we didn't realise that we'd become that way, but we have become that way as we sort of started just getting ingrained in, right. you know, in, the, in the conversations that we're having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it's a natural, a natural progression. Yeah. Um, and so how, so you go into a licensee, now they're going to tell you, oh, we're the best culture ever. Yeah. Right. So we. So so, yeah. How do you, how do you determine? So we. So just to, just to um for your for for your for your advisors, uh, what we've done is we looked at the sixteen hundred licensees. Now we're not focused on the one thousand mum and dads that right. are like, that are independently licensed. Now there are those independent licensees that are out there, like the one and two man bands, that they're feeling the pinch when it comes to compliance and yep. regulation and cost and. Should they continue carrying on with their own AFL or should they actually go to another service provider under an AFL or where can they get their services from? Yep. Um, so certain dealer groups that will go, or we, we, we also look after the self-licensed. Right. So we, we went and had a look at the top, I guess, 400 licensees. Um, and then we went through a bit of a desktop research um, uh, I guess exercise as well as speaking with advisors yep. around licensees. What are they good at? What are they not so good at? And what have you? Then we narrowed that down to, I guess, the top. What we believe is at this point in time to be the top sort of thirty licensees in the marketplace right. based on certain criteria. Yeah. Um, wh where we want to get to, and we've probably signed up eight licensees as of today. Mm -hmm. We want to get to a maximum of 15 licensees that we know inside and out and we would recommend to advisors if they're coming into the industry or they're looking to switch licensees. So we're in that process of going and, and shortlisting those licensees. That's where the Advisor Connect side comes into place. So so I guess it's, it's a technology play whereby we it, it's it's data-driven, mm -hmm. but it's also uh, qualitative in terms of we... we we ask all the questions, the pertinent questions that, say, a recruiter would ask right. um, when they're looking to find a new job. Yep. 
as you would. So the licensees will um, have the opportunity to pitch themselves to advisors that are looking to switch right. on our shortlist. The advisors, all they have to do is register with us if they've got it, if they're interested in seeing what's out in the marketplace. Right. Um, where it will get to um, at the moment, um, the licensees have a login. Um, at point at one point in time, the advisors will say yes, Angus, or yes. In, in, in this instance, it will be Rudy, right. who you'll be speaking to, who's yep. just joined as our head of growth. Right. Uh, Rudy would say to the advisor, okay, let's understand you a little bit more. Yep. I've got all this information about you from ASIC and from um, Equifax and what have you. Right. Um, but let's understand you and what your requirements are. On, and so, then, so you know the you know the financial. So, so say if I was still uh, financial planning out of my own business and I put myself into Advisor Connect. Yeah. So you would then have the financials on my. Yeah, we, we would we would ask facts. we would ask high level information sure, from you. Sure. There are certain things that we would know about you from a negative criteria perspective. Sure. So um, what Equifax provides is things like, um, you know, directorships of organisations. Have uh, you been a right. director of any liquidated companies in the past? So right. so there are risk elements. Just, just corporate and, governance. Though. Corporate governance right. work. So it's mostly related to that. Yep. You know, have you, you know, have you got an up-to-date police check? Um, right. you, have you ever been bankrupt? Those sure. sorts of questions that you're going to get asked by the licensee anyway. Yes. But what we do is help filter um, out advisors that potentially may not suit certain licensees. Right, and maybe have a history of swapping yeah, yeah. a lot in the past. Yeah, and, and swapping like a lot that. in the past. Some of that's publicly available. I guess it's sure. a register of that. But we, yeah. we put all that in a nicely um, designed format in a portal right. for licensees. And at that point in time, the advisor will go, yes, I am willing to share my data with these licensees that you've suggested. Right. So it's not it's not that we go and share your data yep. with the licensees. You have to give us permission if yep. you're wanting to have a conversation to go, I'm now willing to have a conversation with, say, um, I won't name the licensees now, <laughs> but we're, we're, up, we're up to eight. Yep. Um, but, say, I'm willing to have a conversation with X licensee um, based on where you're based in sort of to certain geographies and what have yeah. you. And based on these criteria, think of it, it's, it's made it's the Tinder of oh. of licensee you and advisors. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's, it, it's a, it is a, it's a matchmaking service. So awesome. it goes down to it, it's, it's data-led, but it's also sort of... Um, qualitative type work that we do as well. Okay, cool. So, the, as, and, and I'll touch on it again, a lot of advisors don't know much about dealer groups and licensees. No, it, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things where we haven't, we, to be honest, there's never been a place to go. Yeah. There, there, there's, 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 you know, anecdotal evidence from, from different people, but nothing like what you're talking about. So, is it free for advisors? Or? It's, free, it's free for advisors. Okay. Um, so, so being open with the commercial model here, it's yep. a, the licensees that we shortlist, they mm -hmm. all sign up to the same arrangement, yep. um, which is a retainer to get access to this platform. Okay, so for them, it's a, it's a top of the lead funnel. For the advisors, it's a place to examine what's available on the market. Correct. Okay. Correct. So that, that, that's it at the end of the day, and we... We, um, we've got strong interest from the licensee market. Obviously, they're, they're challenged as well as to how to, how to get qualified advisors under their, built, under yep. their book. Yeah, of course. Under their banner. Um, and from that perspective, and we're only looking to, there are certain licensees um, 
without naming names that would right. never make this list. <laughs> Can um, you give a couple? Yeah, so and and we're only look, we're only speaking to what we believe are the top licensees in the marketplace. Yeah, I I I, I think I saw an early draft of of, of a few of those, and and there's yeah. a, there a lot of yeah. good ones on there. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've had feedback from you know, so we've been, um, I'm sure a couple of people listening today are aware of what we're doing is we've um, sought feedback from the advisors advisor space as well. Yep. Um, so it's not all just. You know, speaking with licensees, as you as you would say, yep. who would like to say that they are the best <laughs> and better than the bloke down the road? Of course. Um, so yeah. Okay, cool. And is it is it open now? It is open now. It's so we're now seeking feedback at the moment. So we've got about fifty advisors that are currently interested, right, in switching. Um, we actually were were surprised. We did a small EDM out there to the. To, to the market and we've got sort of, we had about 150 interested. Yep. Um, a lot of those were uh, just sort of seeing what the process was and what have you, but 50 actually in market wanting to switch already. Yeah, right. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. And, and we, yeah, no, and we, you know, we know um, through the through the ASIC portal and through the market that 15 or 20% of advisors switch licensees every year. So there's a churn rate there's a churn rate in the market of about fifteen percent. Oh my god, I didn't realize. Yeah, so there's about three to four thousand advisors. Wow. Um, that are basically switching every year. And they're flying blind, essentially. Well, yeah, no, especially the new guys into the marketplace don't know where to start, where to go, and all that. You know, and sometimes it makes sense to, you know, you get the support of maybe a bank or support of one of the bigger institutions. Yeah. yeah. But you're finding now a lot of people have that support. They want to sort of, you know, broaden their APL or yeah, they want to do yeah. certain things like that um, where it makes sense to go, okay, I've got a book now. Yes. Um, I actually want to sort of take that book and have a bit more control over it. Yes. Um, and what have you. So, and that's where, you know, certain licensees sort of help with that transition process. Um, okay. So um, let, let's talk about one that I'm pretty familiar with because I used to uh, use Hillross. Yeah. Um, so Hilros AMP Charter, I'm I'm pretty uh, around. Now I know there's probably a lot on the on the Facebook group on XY Advisor that are with these three, um, and we don't need to go into the specifics. But as you're probably aware, people can feel like they are quote unquote locked in. In your experience, um, have you seen advisors be able to move out of that situation? Uh, it it all depends. On the individual, like the individual contracts, gotcha. are basically different for each advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some some have the ability to move their books, others don't. Yep. Um, uh, others feel beholden because they might have loans over their business and what have you. There, there's a weird rule in some of these contracts which say if you sell your business, you can't work as an advisor. Have you ever heard? I've heard of that. Have I've you, heard of that. Have you ever seen it? In, I, I, I've heard of that. I'd I, I, I like to think that I don't know how they you get around with the non-compete clauses in the, like in terms yeah. of, you know, not non-compete being, um, you know, in terms of fairness, in terms yeah. of going off and working, if that's all your only profession and excluding you from doing that. Yes. I don't know how how that can be enforced. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd imagine but it's like, it's like anything, I guess. It's a... Uh, the, the restraint of trade is one of those things that uh, I guess every employer tries to put on an individual, but can it actually be yeah, enforced? It's, it's one of those 
boogeyman's of the industry. Um, what about now? I know of uh, some advisors, and they've used this strategy in the past, where they will work for a big institution, mm. and they're, say they're a Commonwealth bank planner, and they say, "Okay, I've got 100 clients here. Um, I'm going to go start my own business." And you know, if they come with me, it's not my fault. Do are these are these type of topics um, being looked at by the oncoming? Because these are sort of real topics yeah. that advisors are discussing, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, that kind of conversation um, is that being picked up by these these dealer groups? Yeah, that, I think. Well, I think the the dealer groups with the advisors that are incoming from certain organizations yeah. are aware of certain practices and, and how much restraint they have over their clients right so they're familiar with the concept yeah they, they, they certainly are so um, a lot of the a lot of instances of advisors switching um, I think you know the licensees that we're talking to at the moment are aware that you know um, you know some books are, are are stickier at the existing licensee than others. Yes. Um, that said, um, it's always quite difficult when you look at it from, like, let's take a step back when you look at it from a consumer point of view. Yep. Um, as a client, as a client, you often uh, have a relationship with the advisor. You don't have a relationship with the institution. Yes. Um, you know, so if an advisor does switch licensees, very hard for that, say, brand to retain full ownership out over that customer. Yep. Um, and that's always, you know, when you sell a book and what have you, you know, having to convince your clients to go with this new advisor that sold your book and what yes. have you. And when you're switching licensees, it gets into that delicate situation around, well, I've gone over here, but apparently I can't get you on to the new licensee. But at the end of the day, my relationship is with you. And if you're still practising. Um, so to your point, I think it's very hard to police the fact that, Clients will end up going. Well, hang on. No, I've got this relationship still with this advisor. Yes, um, and it I want to transfer really my. But you can't poach them. Yes, because um, of the contractual requirements. Correct. Um, that said, I think at the end of the day, it's like it's the power is in the hands of the client. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. And you know, there's nothing stopping a client from doing that. Yes, you're you're restrained from going and poaching those clients. And yes. I understand that. Yes. But um, really, if you have a good relationship with your client, I think most of them would actually follow you. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. You probably you you. you uh, you're probably leaving behind your C and D clients that you should probably be speaking to a lot more guys. Correct. Um, but that said, um, I think the ones that are probably more highly engaged will come across with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, with these, and I'd imagine the the the, the so on the advisor connect, um, are they all independent? Uh, no, a mix. So yeah. we've, we've, okay. so we've got a mix of licensees to suit different advisors. Right. Um, so, you know, different size groups, um, different, I guess, training sort of structures, different technology that's embedded. One of the areas that we were looking at as a, as a huge focus is um, technology, openness of product and what have you yeah. um, is one of the areas that we sort of had, had as a high criteria in terms of putting these licensees um, on, the, on the list. Yep. Uh, so they're, they're, they're two areas that we look at, and then obviously the ongoing training. Now, it's not going to say that, you know, they're the lowest fees or anything like that. We're a bit sort of, um, when it comes to fee structures, you get 
you get what you pay for. Okay. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, some are cheaper than others, and we, you know, it's up to the advisor to make that assessment along with us. Yes. And along with the licensee. Yes. Uh, some of those fee structures are obviously negotiable. Yep. Um, when you go to certain licensees, depending on, you know, your caliber as an advisor, how qualified you are, what books you're coming across, and those sorts of things. How much training do they need to put into you as an advisor? Yes. Um, at the end of the day, so especially as we go through all the education requirements, you know, if you're on a diploma or an advanced diploma, and the the, the regulator and the government are talking about getting to degree qualified, some of that cost may be borne by the licensee if it's not borne by yourselves. Right. Yep. Um, so all of that needs to be considered by the licensee and yourselves when you're switching. Yes. Um, how much investment do they have in, in your growth? Yeah. Um, well, um, it's a real weird thing with uh, legislation about grandfathered remuneration and switching yeah. uh, dealer groups. Um, now, obviously, you're, you're not an advisor, so I wouldn't expect you to be around at 100%, but do you have sort of – do you get those questions at all um, at this stage? We haven't had those questions at this stage. It is right. very much on our radar, though, Yes. Um, about how to address that. Yes. Um, and also it's about understanding um, – Whilst we whilst we look at the total licensee market, it, then it comes down to to your point earlier, it comes down to the different arrangements, the different contractual arrangements. Most of the time, the grandfather commissions you sort of, in certain instances, you have to walk away from, mm. um, which makes it difficult. Others you can sort of negotiate a buyout or what have you, and bring yep. your clients across. So that the, you know you're you're buying the value or come to some agreement with your licensee to yep. how do you how do you carry on the grandfathered commissions under your own umbrella at maybe a discount. Wow. Um, so there's those sorts of things that you can potentially negotiate with your licensee. Right. Um, that that being, if they're going to lose you an adv as an advisor, you know, they, they, they want to ensure that, uh, you know, that the, 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 the end client may potentially end up sort of switching anyway or switching out a product. So it's in their interest to... To not go hardball on you. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, to keep to keep the client yeah. around in the product at least for as long as possible. Yeah, it's it's one of it's. That's and, really and, that, and that's where you know it, 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 it's part of when you switch, and this is what I'd say to anyone that's thinking of switching, or they're just a bit sort of fed up with their existing licensees. One, keep a good relationship with them because you're going to have to negotiate your exit in certain yes. instances. Yep. Um, certain, advi certain advisors can switch freely, others can't. Yep. So when you are switching, um, negotiate and negotiate um, with, with thinking about what's in the licensee's head as well. Mm. So you put, put, you, you put yourself that? in their shoes about where the risks are, right. about when you leave when it comes to, um, you know, they're probably going to be emotional about you switching. Yes. Um, so try and remove the emotion from it and come in there with the factual sort of like the dollar terms of what it means by them switching, what they could potentially lose and what have you, and then and then come at it from that angle. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then start to talk about how you can move your clients across if you can, even if you can't under the contract, there are, there are ways to, to talk to them about that. Yeah, interesting. Um, what are the... Um, what are the things that you're seeing from a, a licensee point of view? Like, let's say I'm a let's say I'm a high caliber advisor and I'm interested in switching. Mm. Um, and let's say I'm looking at um, three or four different licensees. What are the licensees looking for in advisors? Yeah. So 
Good question. So when we so we've, we when we um when we get a request yep. from an advisor um, to switch or to look at switching, we send out basically a, a short survey or questionnaire, um, yep. and then we follow that up with a with a much more detailed phone call. There are certain things um, that advise that licensees are looking for, like how trained are you in a certain software platform? For example, you know we know fifty percent of the market uses. Iris X plan at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and some of those licensees on our short list require that advisors have familiarity with X plan. Right. Others are less agnostic and say we can, we you know, yes, we use X plan, um, but we can train someone out up that's not that that's not X plan uh, uh, efficient. Okay. Um, there's others that'll go, yes, we use X plan, but we're comfortable if they want to continue using coin or midwinter, mid-winter or, yeah. or what have you. Um, so there are there are those licensees. So we've got a mix of those licensees based on that criteria um, that'll say, okay, if you're an X-Plan advisor, these guys are really, you know, comfortable with you coming across, potentially may pay you a premium to come across to them. Really? Because they don't have to invest in you when it comes to training. Right. Then there are others. Um, the other questions we ask, there are those that only want um, uh Degree qualified advisors. So we, you know, we ask those questions of the advisor. How qualified are you when it comes to what sort of ongoing CPD do you do and training? Uh, certain licensees require that you tick off. Um, you, you might be part, have to be part of a membership organisation. Yeah, you might be have to be part of the AFA. Is XY PA. XY <laughs> advisor ratings. Um, it all counts. Um, so yeah, the FPA and the AFA might get scared of us saying that we're going to talk, we're going to turn ourselves into an association. That's not happening, guys. Um, so um, yeah, the SMSF Association. There are other areas um, that we look at. So in terms of obviously farm size, um, what what is your FUA at the moment? What is your funds under advice? Yeah. I can you actually switch those clients? So obviously that's a big value prop for the licensees, as I was talking about before. There's there's there are ways to do that. Yep. Um, some easier to switch than others. Um, and then we look at those who are, we've got a mix of our licensee groups. So some that want, want salaried advisors, yep. particularly if someone's first coming into the market. Um, there are those that may be looking at self-employed um, advisors. Uh, so those with your own sort of, you know, Clayton Daniel Proprietary Limited. Yep. Or those that um, are self-licensed, so those 1,000 licensees down in the bottom group. Mm-hmm. But they've got dealer services that can actually support their current licensing arrangements within their total licensee outfit. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we ask certain things of the advisor um, that we that the licensees are looking for. Right. And, and then what we do with that is we go, based on what you've told us, advisor X, yep. is these are the four licensees that match your criteria. Yes. We would go and say, these are the four licensees. Do you want us to kickstart a conversation with them? Or it might be you got. It might be you go. The advisor goes. Oh no, I've already spoken to that licensee in the past. Right. Um, I don't get along with them, or for some reason yeah. uh, they, they they're crossed off the list. Yeah. And then we'll look, we might narrow it down to three or two. Okay. On their behalf, no obligation. It's going in having a chat. Yeah. You know, we don't inform. Right. We don't inform the existing licensee that you're having a chat. Very good. You know, the licensees themselves, I'm sure, would not inform. The market—it's it's part of our confidentiality requirements yes, about yes. being on the platform. Yep. That you can't actually have a conversation externally. That you've had a conversation with this advisor. 
Right, so it's more like the Ashley Madison rather than oh, the yeah, Tinder yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe the Ashley Madison. Hopefully, hopefully, but though we won't get hacked and all those details get into the marketplace. So your licensee goes, oh no. Um, and so that's what the that's what the uh, the dealer groups are looking for in an advisor. What what do you find that the advisors are looking for in a in a licensee? Uh, advisors, so the big questions that are coming up from the advisors, I'll, I'll put it up there as a number one, even though we're sort of like, is, is fees, like what yep. sort of fees do we charge and the value for those fees, what am I getting out of it? Uh, certain advisors who struggle for leads, so there are certain advisors that actually are, are, are great at hunting for leads and mm -hmm. going out there and marketing. Um, some advisors are so yep. good at that. Yep. So they want to like have they got lead referral sort of programs in place like GPS Wealth. Yeah, I know they yeah, used to. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. you know, Infocus has I think a referral relationship with um, uh, H the county H R Block. Oh, um, right. okay. So there are certain um, there are certain licensees that have big referral agreements in place. Right. Um, the banks obviously have their own internal lead generation system from the banking arm. Yeah, of course. Um, but then it's about understanding, are you going to feed me enough leads? Right. Um, what marketing support are you going to give me? Mm -hmm. um, so are you going to promote me as an advisor, promote me as a, a, a the, your, your brand and what sort of investment are you putting into? Right. Um, the third element would be technology that the advisors are sort of inquiring about. What sort of technology, how sort of advanced are they when it comes to, the advisors that are switching now realise that there's this massive change going on in the marketplace. Yeah. Some licensees are investing in themselves, others aren't. They want to know that the licensee is going to be around. Are they investing yeah, in themselves? Yeah. Um, what's their balance sheet look like? Can they actually support me into the future? So they actually are, advisors actually are asking sort of about the longevity of these licensees. Um, and yeah, it is good questions actually. Yeah. So they're not just sort of painting the surface about what fees are they charge, and we go, yeah. well, it's not about the fees. It's going to make sure that they're going to be around. If they're charging <laughs> such low fees, there's a reason that you, they're not giving you the support. Yeah, correct. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it's things like and then things like our training. A lot of them actually are feeling like because um, it's such a relationship game, yeah. and advisors often work by themselves. You know, and they, they you know, they, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. In a, yes, they've got a little small company. Sometimes some have, you know, one or two para planners and, you know, they may have, you know, a, a few admin staff, yep. but they want to feel like they're part of a family. Yeah, um, that's difficult. Which, hey? which is where we're, you know, like what sort of, what sort of, um, you know, like what sort of events do they put on and yep. those sorts of things? What's the love that they give beyond the sort of finances and yeah. the technology and the platforms that are utilised? Yes. Some advisors want to be, feel like they're part of something. Yeah, absolutely. And strangely enough, that's kind of where XY Advisor yeah. filled that gap yeah. because, yeah, um, yeah that, that feeling of family is very important for advisors because we're often so alone a lot of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if a dealer group can offer that as well, that's a massive plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, that's, you know, and I, not, not so some of, the big, some of the bigger dealer groups that don't, you know, have that sense of unity. Oh, totally. um, you know, and I think, you know, some of them are working on it, but when you've got a really, you know, you've got a massive, massive um, advisor base, it's, you know, hard to... How do you how do you create that sense of oneness? Yeah. It sounds, sounds like I sound very Buddhist there, don't I? Um, but how do you create that sense of like togetherness in a, in a dealer group, which yeah. is difficult? The, the bigger you grow, it becomes more difficult. You know, obviously the dealer groups have got 
different priorities and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, they only make they they're only as good as the advisors they bring on board. Yes. And if they're not giving them sort of that yeah. community, then are, are you seeing are, are you seeing are you seeing kind of certain dealer groups are picking up? Exactly what they put it this way. Is there any dealer groups out there? You don't need to name them, but you feel like are nailing it right now. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, I would say and attracting um, the best advisors. Yes. Interesting. Yes. You know, a lot of them have gone through. Um, a lot of the dealer groups have basically hunkered down over the last two years and mm. fixed up a lot of their processes and, and what have you. Because there's so much change. So much change going, okay, we need to be abreast of these things. We yes. need to be, we, we need to give service back to our advisors that potentially we were getting the value before. Yep. Um, also, you know, about, you know, with the whole change in commission structures and what have you, REMs under pressure for advisors. So they want to actually see more non-monetary benefits come their way. Mm. Um, the stuff that now is off the table is suddenly back on the table about investing in efficiencies, investing in, um, you know, how do, we, how do we give more time back to the advisors if we can't give them more money, but how do we give more time, but also potentially more leads that fills that gap? Yeah. Um, so there are those, there are certain, certain licensees that get it. Yeah. Some are laggards still. Yeah. Um, get it, just not moving. <laughs> I'd say to most licensees, just move and do something. Yes. Because technology is always going to be one step ahead of the curve and you're always going to have to catch up anyway, but at least start. Oh, my God. And, and it's accelerating, yeah. as yeah. we know, working out of stone and chalk. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like... Um, it's like I refused to get a, a phone for so many years and then I got my first phone and then I realised I had just had to keep, you know, keeping ahead of the technology oh. and keeping ahead of things. Otherwise, otherwise you become a bit sort of, you, you, get stuck in the, you get stuck in the old days and everyone else has gone past you and that's like, that's what the, some of the licenses yeah. are doing. And they'll go, I'll only invest when I, they won't invest because they'll think that somebody, something is better out there in two years' time. But you then you're suddenly ten years behind. You're 15 oh years my behind. god! Absolutely. If you yeah. yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, so the the second probably deal groups and technology is probably the two things we chat about yeah. on the group the most. And tech is one of those things where if you take two years to make a decision, yeah. Oh, yeah. you're already you're yeah. already long. Yeah, gone. yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And then you know they've got you know you've got your midwinters and you've got those Correct. other yeah. organisations that are out there that. You know, and making things easy for licensees to make the decision quickly. Yes, and I like to think that we're doing the same. It's just it does get frustrating because licensees are slow in making decisions. Yeah. So, but there are licensees that are basically making decisions fast. They're making, you know, they do they're doing their due diligence really quickly. Yep. And they're putting it out into the advisor space really quickly. And you know what? They're learning as they go. And the advisors will say. Guys, this hasn't worked. At least they're trying and getting yes. up to speed on things, um, and they might be trialing it with maybe a handful of advisors before pushing it live to the to the rest of the group. Yep. Um, I think that's the probably the best way to go, rather than doing a whole sort of like project management due diligence piece that some of the big corporates do. Yeah. To go, okay, now we're going to win. You know, we're going to roll this out. Suddenly, yes. suddenly, there's a new tech company that's come on board that's done something a lot better than what they've done. Oh spent two years goodness. trying to do. Oh my goodness! Like, uh, obviously, AMP—they've put a hundred million dollars or something into this new AMP advice 
Yeah, no, some of the, 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 some of the, the big and, some of the big groups have invested a lot oh, in technology. I, could, I couldn't if you gave me a hundred million dollars, I couldn't spend it mm. to, to 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 fix it in the advice process. I, I they've got all these fancy things. I don't know what it's going to look like in the yeah. end, but my god, a hundred million dollars! Oh no, I, I, I the, the amount of money that corporates spend, and I, I'd love to have that amount of money <laughs> to spend in to spend oh, on our part. But we 100%. we. I think um I think it's like you get so many stakeholders involved and uh, like we were guilty of this in the first instance when we launched we tried to make a platform that all the be- had all the bells and whistles yeah we're now basically um at a stage where we've got a platform I think it's I think it's I think it's a nice platform that's in the market for advisors and consumers to use we're actually going through another iteration at the moment which will be nice. live shortly yep. but we made that initial mistake to build try and build out a all bells and whistles platform, but yeah. really at the end of the day, um, you, 90, 90% of your advisors or 90% of the traffic's going to maybe one or two areas of the website. So, um, and so, you know, it's about us going, focusing on those one or two areas and making it so nice, so seamless, yes. so easy to use. Yes. Um, and then, yes, you know, over time, you can sort of iterate and building the other bells and whistles, as you so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But building bells and whistles from the outset for the sake of it. Oh, yeah. I'm not, saying that, Adrian. I'm not saying, I'm not saying A&P that you're doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do see it. It's not just in advice, but it's in every corporate business. Mate, we, we, it's even in a tiny business, even in XY advisor, Adrian, my goodness, we're building this membership portal at the moment and he wants everything. And, uh, and it's the rest of us sort of slapping him saying, no. So, uh, so listen to that advice. Hey, um, I got a question. How, did, how on earth did you end up here? How did you end up as the patron saint of, uh, of, of financial planners? Because you didn't come up through as, as a financial advisor, which is why you cop so much shit. Yes. In, in what do, place, what right? do I know? What do I know about yeah, advice? So, so when you came out, um, a lot of the, and, and we were discussing this the other day, having a good laugh about it, you know, it was all to do with uh, the, the, the AFSL you were remotely linked with, and yeah. then you had, you had, you know, a couple of people uh, writing articles that were really worried about what you were going to do mm. to the industry. So how did you get here? How did you get here as, as yep. largely um, an independent view of, because it's kind of one of those things that, I'm sure many people have looked at financial advice from the outside in and gone, well, you can fix that. Yeah. But yeah. you decided to actually help contribute to that. So tell me yeah, so, so, about that. Okay, so, so I'll try and keep this as short as possible. <laughs> My background's, I'm an accountant. My background's in financial services. I worked at Macquarie Bank and um, in the retail banking space and then, and then uh, went in over to Wizard and... Sort of start to get the, I guess, Wizard. the entrepreneurial. Yeah, so I went over to Wizard and I uh, was facilitating the sale of Wizard to GM Money Whoa. on behalf of the, on behalf of Mark at the time, Mark Burris. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, I then started to get the the feel for, I guess, the entrepreneurialism in me, um, yeah. given that's how small that, uh, well, it wasn't exactly small, it was a four hundred million dollar deal, but a smaller yeah. organisation when you come from Macquarie Bank. I then went over to Virgin Money. That's where I was. So I was CFO at Virgin. We um, launched, uh, I guess, the first My Super product in the market at that time. We were talking to certain dealer groups or licensees at the moment about distribution of that My Super product. We ended up going direct to consumer. Um, once I left there, then I realised I didn't want to work in corporate anymore, and I 
got a philanthropic bent about me when I saw the GFC because I was heavily involved in the GFC from a funding perspective. It. Yeah, creating <laughs> it. I know all that testosterone um, in the boardrooms. Yeah. Um, uh, doing all those margin loans, not not speaking of any Sunshine Coast uh, businesses at, at all. Um, but we, so we, um, we, we, uh, I guess m myself, I uh, looked at looked at advice because I saw the impact it had on like consumers, um, mainly mainly family and friends, yeah, those who had right. good advice versus bad advice, and yep. you know those who had their money stuck in sort of uh, you know unlisted property funds that mm. were you know driven up to the, you know, why they, why they had 30% of their funds locked away in these listed property funds that yeah. were now heavily straddled with debt and yeah. thinking about where they this, this isn't right. Yeah. Um, and so I started to delve into the market quite closely and it's, I, I wrote a business plan about 10 years ago yeah. um, on an, on sort of rating sort of advisors, rating products and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, how, how can we differentiate, one from the other. Yep. Um, sat in my desktop drawer for about five years and then right. I dust, dusted it off after realising still no one's doing this. So how did I turn this into a commercial? And then I had sort of obviously startup experience and I sat down and worked out what, what was the sort of revenue model. I still I, I still struggle with the revenue model. <laughs> but no, what's, so, so I, I sat down and, and tried to work out um, how, do, how does this become a self-sustaining business? Yes. Um, you know, and we basically, that's how it, and then we spent about 12 months to build in the product and what have yeah. you. At that stage, I was motivated by, this is a bit of a family history, motivated by my father who did something similar when he went into medicine. Right. And I think I've told this story before. My dad... Uh, when he was he was a pathologist, and so he said, "No, give it a go, give it a go." I would never have uh, if I didn't get the kick up the bum to basically disrupt the pathology market at that point in time. When he partnered with some tech guy to come up with a new way of uh, doing blood samples overnight as opposed to taking seven seven days or ten days, right? And that turned into Douglas Hanley Moyer, which is now owned by Sonic Healthcare. So it's he he, he sold out. Early, so it didn't quite. What well, wasn't quite the billion billion dollar? We weren't quite the billion dollar family, uh, unfortunately. Uh, he sold out sold out of the business, but he did. You know, he he, he did start that with a, a man named Bronte Douglas. But that, by the by, um, that's where he sort of basically gave me the impetus. He actually said, "I'd do it, do it," because I, you know, twelve months of making a product isn't going to work. It's just just try it. If it works, it works. And, yeah. then, and then so yeah, we we gave it a run and. Um, he unfortunately dad died before it launched, but that actually kept the motivation up to go. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove that it can work. Yeah. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a, it was an emotional motivation because yeah. it's hard, as you know, Clayton. Oh my god. Doing a startup is bloody hard. Absolutely. And getting the, you know, the noise that we got from the marketplace, you know, then going <laughs> and setting up the AFSL because yeah. I thought there might be general advice on the platform. So I went and spoke to. Who happens to be a friend of mine, you know, um, Peter Reinberger um, at iPraxis, and he copped a lot of flack for being uh, giving him, you know, letting us be licensed under his umbrella. Yeah. Um, by virtue of the fact that we were told we didn't have to have a license, mm. but we just took the conservative route yeah, to get a license and how um, you, you just in of... case. And then, uh, unfortunately, as you know, the, the flack hit the fan <laughs> when we said, What sort of relationship do you have with, with iPraxis? And yeah. to this day, 
we don't have any relationship with iPraxis apart from um, security for us from an AFL point of view. Obviously, iPraxis has to look at us to make sure that we're compliant under their AFSL. Yes. Um, but apart from that, there is no there, there is no, there's no link. There's no grand conspiracy. <laughs> no, there's no. We're not going to become a. We're not going to become some big dealer group or anything like that. Like some of the organisations were fearful. Yeah, it's um, crazy when new, new things come to the market like that. Um, but yeah, mate. Uh, so I mean, we, where are we? We're sort of getting on. So we'll, we'll wrap up. But um, let's quickly just get to uh, what's what's a good website for advisors to go to. Obviously, we know advisor ratings, but what's the what's the advisor connect website that if, if there's anyone that's looking to swap? Yeah. So we're, we're, at the moment, um, we uh, we're putting a widget. So those that have basically those who claim their profile. Um, in the next week, there will be a widget on the dashboard that'll be very evident right, okay. um, about registering your interest. Right. Um, if you if you haven't claimed your profile, um, you can obviously drop me uh, a note or, or Rudy at advisorratings.com.au. So Rudy, R-U-D-I. It's a South African name, uh, Rudy Loggenberg. So you don't, when, you, when you speak to him over the phone, uh, don't take the piss out of his South African accent. Um, and, yeah, so so that's the, probably the best way at this okay. stage. Um, so claimed, obviously, through your dashboard in the next week. Yep. Unclaimed, just email me directly or email Rudy okay. directly. Cool. Yep. Awesome, mate. Well, thanks for coming on. No, good. Thanks for the time, Clayton, and thanks, everyone, from XY Advisors. Yeah. I love it, I, I love it by the way. I'm... Cheers, man. Well, we feel the same way about you guys. Um, we've even had... Uh, one of your investors, Koshi, speak at an event. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I'm sure he'll be interested to do it again sometime if you'll if yeah. you if you bring him back. Yeah, mate, definitely. Yeah. Good. Cool. All right, All cheers, right. buddy. Thanks, mate. All right. Cheers.